Something different. Something unexpected. Something you can wrap both sides of your brain around. You've tuned to The Ride Home with John and Kathy on 101.5 WORD. Hey, welcome back. John Kistler is with us. John joins us on a monthly basis. He's a writer and an animal advocate who thinks about the natural world from a biblical perspective. Today, John joins us to talk about our animals in heaven. Anyone who has ever loved an animal has asked that question, right? Yeah. I mean, am I exaggerating when because I say that? Because it's heaven. You want to see the things you love. Well, yeah, you want to see the things you love. Plus, you know when you have a relationship with an animal, you know that there's something more in those eyes that you're looking at right. than just something fleeting. So it, what happens then when you die? Yeah. Right. Um, from a human perspective, everyone has, or I guess maybe some people think about it, maybe people just ignore the idea of it, but when you die, the second you die... What happens? You ascend into heaven, you what? What happens to you? Okay. Well, we've got John Kissler in the studio. Um, John, thank you for bringing you and your animal advocacy back to the Word of Him Studios. How are you? Very good. Glad to be back. All right. So let's start with us. Is that appropriate? Um, what happens to us? Right. When it, we it's die? impossible to talk about animals in heaven until we talk about heaven. Because if you don't know what heaven is, then how would you know where the animals go? So when you die, this is the orthodox Christian way of, of looking at it. We don't believe in soul sleep. We believe that the instant that your soul, your mind, your personality dies, your body will go into the ground, but your spirit or soul will go to heaven. So what we call heaven is where God is, and that's where your soul will be when your body dies. But you will be alive and talking and thinking and experiencing joy. And what Jesus told the disciples is, uh, you're going to be with me in a place with many mansions. So that's one description of heaven. So we would say that upon your death, your soul goes to heaven. But most Christians don't think past that. What happens after that? Some people seem to think that's the end. That is not the end. That's what we call the intermediate state. Because Paul, throughout his epistles, talks about the resurrection body. Jesus didn't just go to heaven as a spirit. He came back and had his body. We will also get that body. What happens is, at the end, after the great white throne judgment, when God sends the goats and the evil to hell and takes the righteous and his people, who are saved by Jesus, takes them to heaven, as we call it, once that judgment is over, God raises our original bodies from the grave, from the sea, wherever they were, and reunites them with our souls. So we get our bodies back, but they're much improved. They're no longer mm -hmm. subject to disease. Nice. Right, so the resurrection body will join us, we will meet him in the air, and we will be reunited as soul and body again. Then, Jesus will fix the earth, all of the problems that were on it, that's what we call the new heavens and the new earth. He will cure all the pollution and all the devastation we've caused and the sin has caused. And once that's done, he will bring the new Jerusalem, it says in Revelation 21, he will bring the new Jerusalem out of heaven. This was prophesied in Ezekiel also, so it's not just one place. And the New Jerusalem, that's where I think is heaven. That's where we will be for a while. He will bring it down and put it on earth. And we will be in heaven on the new earth forever. So that's the place that a lot of people don't think about. Mm -hmm. yes. They just think we're going to be... Right, ethereal beings. Yeah, little cherubs on the clouds yeah. playing harps. That's ridiculous. Like John Hall will float by every <laughs> once in a while. Hi. Hi, Kath. Right. Whoops, sorry. I missed a note there. Well, no, it's heaven. It's okay. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. So what... 
people have the wrong idea about new heavens and new earth. That seems to imply to some people that by new, it means absolutely new. It wasn't there before. Now we've got a new earth. So in other words, there's no correlation Mm -hmm. between the old and the new. But that's not what it means. In the Greek, there's actually two different words for new, kainos and, and the other one. But anyway, this word for new, new heavens and new earth, does not mean absolutely brand new. It means restored to better mm-hmm. than new. Mm-hmm. It's like the uh, the guy you pay to come in and fix up your house and make it better than mm-hmm. it was before. Mm-hmm. So earth is perfection almost. Yeah. Earth is where we will be forever. Un- unlike a lot of hymns. hymns, It's a very bad idea to take your theology out of hymns. Uh-huh. Hymns often talk about, we want to get away from this evil world and, sure. and join the Lord in heaven. Well, heaven is where God is, and God will be on the earth, right. on his throne. And so we will be on the earth. That's why it is possible and why we're going to talk about animals on earth. Because you can't. it's kind of hard to think of animals in heaven. You know, because we think of them as being such bodily creatures. Well, right. you know what? We're bodily creatures, too. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon even talks about all the similarities, how animals and humans are very similar. And he asks the interesting rhetorical question, How do? why do we say that human souls go, or spirits, go into heaven and animal souls go into the earth? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that's what happens. He says, why do people say? Why do we say? It's that? a rhetorical question after he says all these things were similar. So I believe what he's saying is actually, don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, animals and humans have the same sort of fate. Mm-hmm. We also recognize, John, that that the picture we see in the, the Bible beginning to end is a total story, right? So the beginning is in a garden and the end is in a city. Mm-hmm. But just like any book, I had a friend that told me this years ago. He said, why, when you open up a book of any sort, you assume that the end of the book has something to do with the beginning of the book, right? But when people open the Bible, they don't look at it that way. They just like look at a verse here and a verse there, whatever. But if we looked at the end of the book, like it has something to do with the beginning, we would recognize this is a total story. So where creation begins with humans and animals interacting, right? That has to find its fulfillment at the end, right? Yes. And even though you're correct that the the book, the Bible, begins in a garden and ends in a city. That doesn't mean it ends only in a city. Right. The city comes down and lands on the new earth, and then it says the nations mm-hmm. will bring their wealth, and the lion will lay down with the lamb and all of these sort of things. Um, this sort of got lost. I have to bring this up. Th- these things got lost in the 19th century with the uh, rise of the doctrinal idea of dispensationalism. And I... We can't go into it much, but the whole idea of the millennium is what became the problem. Because once they became pre-millennial, they said all of those Bible verses about animals and lions and lambs and all, oh, that's all in the millennium. After that, God's going to destroy the earth and we'll live in heaven. Well, that's wrong. God will perfect the earth. See, the book of Second Peter says that the earth will melt with fervent heat. And so everyone assumes that means God's going to just fry us. Well, that's not what it means. The words in Greek are used for smelting, which is a mineralogy. It means you take your gold that has some quartz and some nickel and stuff, and you heat it up to get the dross, all that nasty stuff out, so you've got pure gold. Uh That's what Peter is saying. God will purify the earth, not he's going to annihilate the earth. Mm. So even though we will end the world in a city, that's where we live. It doesn't mean we won't be going out and seeing stuff. Right. So what about the relationship with, and you've talked about this before on our show, but 
sketch it out, the relationship between humans and animals at the beginning, so that we can kind of look toward what the fullness of that relationship would be at the end? Well, one thing that that is just obvious about our relationship to animals is that we are living creatures just as they are. This is what Solomon points out, and this is what Genesis points out. The animals have the breath of the spirit of life, which is exactly the same thing that God gave to Adam and Eve. They have uh, movement. They have blood. In Genesis 9, God emphasizes that when you kill an animal, you will drain out its blood because its life is in In the the blood. blood. So there are a number of key similarities When God put us over the animals, it's true we're over them, but it doesn't mean we're not of them. We are Mm -hmm. animals. We are what you might call higher animals. We're in charge animals. But when you look at God's cherubim, those strange angels, Mm -hmm. they got a human face, an eagle face, a lion face, and a bull face. You know, is the human face any bigger? It doesn't say that. We are part of these four animal kingdoms that God made, and we're the head part. But we're still part. And so we are all part. Mm. And in the flood, God destroyed the wicked humans and God destroyed the animals. It seems like God treats the animals in the same manner. He judges the animals when he judges the humans. He blesses the animals when he blesses the humans. We are all in the same boat. And we're going to talk a lot about that in Romans 8. How does that work, though, John? How do you judge an animal when an animal essentially is not guilty? It's not the judgment because of guilt. The judgment for guilt is upon the human. It's what we call like a natural disaster. When uh, Jesus talks about, the disciples ask him, why did this tower fall on those 40 people, the Tower of Siloam? Were they really wicked sinners? And Jesus said, no, they were no more sinners than anybody else. You know, we're all sinners. That's just one of those things that, that happens. It's what we call a natural disaster. It's like a hurricane. Hurricane Matthew didn't uh, avoid Christians' houses while it wiped out non-Christians' houses. So it's not that the animals are being judged. It's just that they're in the same place when the judgment comes. I see. I mean, when God sent uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, burned them to a crisp, I assume there were some animals there. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't do anything. But God only brought out Lot and his wife and his family, apparently not those innocent animals. And we'll Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that, too, Mm -hmm. in in the future. So, unfortunately, they get lumped in with us because we're in charge of them. It's sort of like uh, if your family, if your your husband, for instance, got in trouble with the law, there might be consequences on your family right. as well. So sin affects everyone around us. Sin affects sin comes from humans, but it affects the entire planet. Take a break. Yep. John Kistler is with us. John is a writer and animal advocate who thinks about the natural world from a biblical perspective. Kath has posted information about John on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. We'll step away for just a minute, but stick around. John Kistler is with us as we come back. Have you racked up more than $10,000? W-O-R-D. We're talking about animals and heaven with John Kistler. It, you know, when you were on the air, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, um, you and I talked about the end of the book of Jonah. Um, and, you know, God's basically saying to Jonah, why, why isn't it okay? With, this is the free Kathy translation, right? <laughs> why isn't it okay with you if I care about all those people in Nineveh? Um, because there are, you know, X number of people there, plus all the cattle. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Why did the cattle come into it? Right. What, what what does the cattle have to do with anything? Well, you just brought up the end of Mark, um, a similar verse I've read many times and never thought of. Well, the Great Commission has uh, a different version in each um, each gospel. All the four gospels have the Great Commission, I believe. And Mark is the one we ignore the most because we're kind of afraid of it. 
<laughs> it's a hard one to preach on because here's what it says. Jesus says uh, exactly in Mark uh, thirteen fifteen, go into the world and proclaim the good news to every creature. Some translations, I think yours said to all creation. To all creation, right. Well, either way, it's the same thing. It's the Greek word pantos, which means everything. So why did Jesus say, go preach to every creature? Now, St. Francis took that very literally, and he actually went out and preached to birds and fish and raccoons and squirrels. And uh, I, I don't go quite that far. And if you were to go home and preach to your pets, I don't think it would be very effective, although they would find it entertaining. <laughs> My two kittens would be a rapt audience. <laughs> they would enjoy it. While, sure. they're, while they're destroying my home, which is their current <laughs> favorite activity. Well, the trick is the preposition. And I think you could take the preposition. Instead of saying preaching to every creature, I take it as for every creature. In other words, when we're talking about the gospel, the gospel means good news. And it means good news for every creature, even if every creature doesn't literally understand it with their little squirrel brains. Mm -hmm. So in other words, when you preach, you should be telling them about the restoration of the world. Jesus' mission on earth was not just to save human souls. When the fall happened and all this devastation took place on the earth, Jesus' plan is to bring his throne to the earth and purify it and fix all of that bad stuff. So the creation will be healed and restored. This was preached heavily in the early church and in the Reformation. We called it the universal kingship of Christ. Mm -hmm. He's not just the king over people. He's the king over the animals. Psalm 8 talks about that. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. I will put all things under his feet. He will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Everything will be under, pardon me, under Jesus. And that includes the animals and the creation. So that's what this version of the Great Commission is getting at, I think. When we are evangelizing, we can talk about the good news, not just for your soul, but for the whole world. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to yes. fix everything. Right, right. And if we are people who only think about the human condition, I think we're only getting, as good as that good news is, it's not nearly as good as thinking of everything that we see, All the of whole creation. of creation That's wonderful. being returned to God. And this is why we have a responsibility to the environment as well as the animals. And I know a lot of uh, Republicans get twitchy as soon as you mention the environment. It's like, oh, no, Al Gore is coming out of the woodwork. The environment, Which is a scary thought. Come on. <laughs> it is. It is a scary <laughs> thought. <Bull weevil. laughs> but we are stewards of the earth, and God wants us to improve it, not degrade it. If God's going to fix everything, that doesn't mean that you're allowed to destroy everything like an impetuous child. Yeah, right? so if it's going to be a, it, it's a mess and God's going to hit the reset button, we're okay. <laughs> but yeah, not really. Exactly. Doesn't, right. doesn't Paul say, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh -huh. No, it never by, by no means. Yes, exactly. right. Okay, so now we're ready to move into the question of animals, particularly, not just the whole creation. But let's start first with animals in heaven. I will show you that right now, and in the past and in the future, there will be animals. We'll get to the question of your pets last because okay. that's the harder piece. But there are animals in heaven now. now can you think of any cases that prove that? Um, no, wait. There are animals in heaven now. And the cherubim don't count because I brought them I, up. That's what I was, was going to be my first question, but I thought that would be too easy. Animals in heaven now. Um, Famous prophet. Ezekiel. Elijah. Okay. Oh. When Elisha saw Elijah oh, taken into heaven, how right. did he get there? There oh, was a chariot. Oh. A fiery chariot and fiery horses. Oh, okay, yes. Now, where do fiery horses and fiery chariots come from out of heaven and take Elijah to heaven? That means there are horses in heaven, doesn't it? Cool. Okay. Now, in 
four chapters later in Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha is being surrounded by an enemy army and his servants getting all panicky. And he says, don't panic. God will let you see that we're under protection. And he opens the servant's eyes. And what does he see? Yes. Tens of thousands um, of angels and horses around them. Okay. Where did these angels and horses come from? There were horses. See, yeah. I don't even remember that. Fiery horses. They come from heaven. Yeah. Okay. Now, in the book of Revelation, oh, well, Zechariah 1 and 6, angels are riding around the earth doing reconnaissance for God on horseback. Okay. So angels riding horses. Nice. Okay. So, so they're already there. There are already horses there. Um, in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus comes to earth, fall on a white horse, followed mm -hmm. by armies of angels on white horses. It says there are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands of angels on horses. Okay? So, at the very least, there are horses in heaven. Are there any other animals in heaven? Um, there is one other in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. It says, And an eagle is flying around the earth, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Okay, so you've got an eagle. Where'd this eagle come from? All right, now, the harder question is, are these angelic animals, kind of yeah. like the cherubim, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or are they the horses that died on the earth and went to heaven and God's using them? Mm. Well, we have no indication of any other angelic animals other than the cherubim, and they're not even exactly, they're sort of like hybrid animals, mm -hmm. and we believe they're representations of all the animal kingdoms. It would seem odd if God would create identical angel animals in heaven as he has on earth. So angel squirrels, angel beetles, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's an argument from silence. I can't be, I could be wrong. But my impression is, or my guess is, that these are animals who died and have become sort of like we will when, when we mm, die. Perfected animals. Yes, they haven't got their bodies yet. They're, they're sort of angelic in the sense that they're still spirit without their bodies. They haven't been reunited with their resurrection bodies yet. But at, at least that's my guess. So there are angels in, or there are animals in heaven now. It's fascinating. That's awesome. Let's take another break. John Kistler is with us. He's a writer, an animal advocate. He's uh, information about John Kistler on our Facebook page. John's talking about our animals in heaven, and he is uh, saying to the affirmative, yes, they are. Our conversation continues in just a few. 101.5. The question for this hour is, are animals in heaven? And John Kistler is taking us through this process. I really like how you've approached this. So in this segment, in case you're just joining us, John started off by talking about what heaven is and what happens when we die, right? What, what, what the scripture tells us about that. We're not just guessing and postulating, but we're looking at the Bible and we're saying, okay, what does it tell us? So we talked about what happens when we die. And then we talked about whether there are animals in heaven. Okay. But now we're talking about our animals, right? animals that we love. So they're not just, you know, um, the horse that's mentioned, but it, now it's my dog or my whatever, right. whatever my bird animal. My bird, Pip. <laughs> that you mm -hmm. love. Who bites my ear. It's my son's bird, <laughs> right. actually. John has ambivalent feelings towards Pip, yeah. but that's a story I know for another No, they're not ambivalent. <laughs> it's a story for They're not. It's a painful bird. <laughs> so talk about our animals, John. What do we know about that? Okay, well, first, I, d I do need to mention Hosea 2. I forgot to mention it before because God makes a covenant. He, he says, in the future, in the last days, I will make a covenant between all you people and the animals, and you will all live in peace forever. So this is another reason we have to believe that there are animals in heaven, because how in the world can you have an eternal covenant between humans and animals if there's no animals there? It's one-sided. That's Hosea yeah. what? Hosea chapter 2. 
Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. You'll find the covenant with uh, animals. It's similar to Genesis 9, where God promises Noah and the animals that he will never again destroy the earth. Okay. So it's very similar. Okay. But So now we'll talk about specific animals, and this is the harder place because the Bible doesn't ever say anything about a specific animal dying, going to heaven, and being back with his master. In fact, pets were not even really a big thing in the Bible. Pets are, are a somewhat new thing. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, I was surprised to learn that cats have only been pets for the last 100 or 200 years because, in general, there was no way to uh, potty train them, mm-hmm. and you didn't have cat litter. And mm-hmm. so it made pretty nasty smells in your house until you invented cat litter. So cats are kind of new pets. But anyway, let's talk about why do we believe pets may be in heaven? Why? Some people just say God will put representatives of all the species on the new earth. So he might make a dinosaur and he might put a couple lions and a couple tigers, but they won't be the ones that were alive on earth. Well, there'll be new ones. Yeah, they actually believe there will be new animals. I I think that's ridiculous. Just to sample them. Yes, a sampling, Mm -hmm. because God wouldn't stoop to putting every animal. Why would he bother with that? Well, people who talk like that don't love animals, obviously. Mm -hmm. We care about our animals, and we want them to be in heaven. But one reason we believe that animals are in heaven is Romans chapter 8. And we call this the problem of theodicy, the problem of innocent suffering. How is it that some animals suffer their whole lives in some laboratory getting tortured by some nasty scientist, how does that happen? And then the animal dies, and then it's gone forever? What kind of a life is that? What just God would allow that kind of suffering? Now, we're not talking about human suffering. We're talking about innocent suffering, because animals don't sin, right? So sometimes people just say, well, how can God allow hurricanes to destroy people's lives? Well, those people weren't innocent. No one is innocent human-wise. But in Romans 8, it says that the whole creation groans, waiting in earnest expectation for the revealing of the glory of the sons of God. Then it will be set free into the freedom of the sons of God. If you look at Romans 8, you'll see that. The whole creation, that's every creature. And it's not just people, because it says in like the very next verse, and we also groan. Mm -hmm. So whoever was groaning first, that wasn't us. That was the whole creation. Why is the creation groaning? Because it has been subjected to the consequences of our evils. And it is looking forward to getting out of that. And Jesus is going to restore the world and fix it. Now, how can Jesus fix the suffering of an innocent animal from the past. That's the problem of theodicy. And that problem is solved when you have pets and other animals resurrected. Because it means that God can give them a good life that they never got, that they should have gotten, if we weren't wicked on the earth. Hmm. So it is a way of... So that's like the system of making all things right. Right. Exactly. Abraham asked God, will not the judge of the earth do right? And Hmm. God's answer was, of course I will. So the question is, how will animals that suffered for so long under our sin be recompensed? And C.S. Lewis discussed this in a number of books. I disagree with some of his conclusions, but at least he had the courage to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And animal resurrection is the only way to recompense it. You could say, well, God's just going to annihilate them and they'll be set free from their suffering. Well, what kind of recompense is that? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being annihilated. Thank you. (laughs) That's my earnest expectation. <laughs> you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Romans 8 implies that every bit of creation will come under Christ. So that's one reason to believe that your pets will be in heaven. Hopefully they're not suffering so much that they're, they're groaning, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for this. But on the other hand, even their lives as your pets are not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't protect them from all suffering. Mm-hmm. I suffer even though people try to help me in my life. So... God will fix that suffering Mm. on their behalf. 
So that's one reason is the reason of theodicy. Another reason that's a lot easier is God loves them. Last time I was here, we talked about proof that God cares about creatures. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're almighty God and you love these little critters that are running all over the planet, do you want them to be annihilated? Don't you have the right as God to say, I like them, I'm keeping them. I mean, who are you to tell God he can't have his animals if he wants them? Mm It seems pretty ridiculous to me. If God cares about them enough to talk about them and make them and give them lives to enjoy, why wouldn't he bring them back Mm -hmm. just the way he made them? What about the um, relationship between us and animals? So when you were on our show maybe two, three months ago, you talked about birds in particular, right? And you talked about how – now, you have a bird. Am I right about that? Yes, a parrot. Yes. The parrot's name is? Percy. Percy. Percy the parrot. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so Percy, so birds have a particular relate. I've never had a bird have a particular relationship with humans. Yes, they human. tend to adopt people uh, based on the opposite sex. They seem to think that you are their mate because you hang around with them and you care for them. So you're the mate. So she's a female bird and I'm the male. She probably thinks that either she is a male human or that I am a strange looking (laughs) male parrot. (laughs) So she will, if I ever was to marry, she would probably take an immediate dislike to my future wife. Oh, because Mm. I'm the one that's supposed to be paying attention to her, not this other chick. Mm. So a lot of animals do that. We'll focus on one person. Yes. Take it as its mate. Our parrot does that. He focuses on, it's my son's bird. Yes. And me, I'm like... Your competition. Oh, my God. That's why, he, that's why he bites your ear. Yes, he does. Okay, go ahead, John. Well, another reason to believe that our pets will be in heaven is because Christ, as Psalm 8 says, will be king over all the earth and over every creature. Everything will come under his feet. Well, how can it come under his feet if it doesn't exist? You know, if oh, Jesus right, doesn't sure. become the king and take dominion over the earth in its entirety at the end, how did all the animals that died a thousand years ago fall under his dominion? So... Death, it says in in Paul's writings, death is the last enemy that Christ will conquer. How can we say that Christ conquers death if death is the final end for all of these creatures? I mean, when you think of life, all humans who live will live eternally, either in heaven or hell. All angels that have ever existed will be forever in either heaven or hell. Well, animals are living creatures too. So why is it that we think that they will not have an Mm -hmm. eternal future? The principle that I've come to believe is that anything that God gave life, that is a creature that received the spirit, calls it the breath of the spirit of life. In Psalm 104, it says, when I take away my spirit, they die. When I send my spirit, they're born. The spirit is involved with life, and everything that has had the spirit will live forever. Mm -hmm. That's the principle I look at. That's wonderful. I I was posted this video on our Facebook page last week, and I don't know why this hit me so deeply, but it was a video of this beautiful cathedral in Ontario, and um, a buck had gotten into the sanctuary, right? So there's no sound. It's just the buck walking around the altar, right? And it's a beautiful, ornate altar. Beauty with beauty. I looked at that, and I thought, isn't that fascinating? Like, that is the you know, that would be an example of the apex of human creativity, right? This unbelievably gorgeous carving and colors and textures and all of those things. But when that buck walks in. Comes alive. It comes alive because he has life. Yeah. Right. And we can't we can do we can do beautiful, amazing, shocking things, but we can't do that. Yeah. It's just that that breath of life. It's just amazing. 
So, John, the good news is for people who want to be united someday with their dog or dogs or multiple cats, you you say, yes, they'll yes. be there. I believe that every creature that ever lived that had the breath of the spirit of life will be in heaven forever. What about people who have like, so I think about, oh, I had a dog when I was six. I had another dog, you know, when I was 14, another dog when I was 23, You're another dog when I was 30. That's a lot of pets. It's not just pets, though. That's a, that's a problem I want people to realize is it's not just pets. Billy Graham made a small mistake. He told a little boy, you know, if you want your dog to be in heaven, he'll be there with you. Well, that's true, and that's nice, but what about the dolphin that never mm. met a human? Right. Uh-huh. Is it just the creatures you like that go mm. to heaven? Don't be silly. God will save all life, I believe. That's part of Jesus conquering of death and fixing of all the consequences of sin. That's my March of the Penguins analogy. You know, the day I watched March of the Penguins, I thought that is so amazing amazing. that God created those for us. And then I thought to myself, he didn't. He didn't create those for us. I mean, how many years were the penguins marching? Humans never noticed. We didn't even know it was happening. God created the penguins for him. Yeah. And we just get to look. They're out there now. We just discovered them, as a matter of fact. Yeah. We need to take another quick break, but John, stay with us. John Kistler, we're talking about animals. Playground World presents their back-to-school blowout sale. Now through W-O-R-D. Our animals in heaven. John Kistler has been with us through the entirety of this hour. He is saying affirmatively, yes, they are. But, John, you go further with this, right? Yes, I think this is an excellent point or place for Christians to meet with non-Christians as a place to talk. An issues evangelism is what I call it. In other words, most people like animals. And so you can start up a nice neutral conversation that's not about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton by asking them about their pets. And, you know, once you find out about their pets, you know, do do they care about their pets? And if they do, this is a great way to talk about Christianity with them. Now, you have to be careful because Christians are often thought of as not caring about animals, which is unfortunate. But it's part of the uh, tradition of the church that... The uh, animals are unimportant, and they don't go to heaven, so they don't so have souls. So why was that a tradition of the church? Was that trying to elevate the humans being made in God's image? No. It was because of Greek influence on the scholastics. Thomas Aquinas. You can, ba- you can basically blame Augustine, St. Augustine, mm-hmm. who loved Plato and Aristotle, and then you can blame Aquinas for picking him up. It's the whole idea of Greeks that uh, body is bad, soul is good. Mm-hmm. Spiritual is good. Physical is bad. Mm -hmm. And so Thomas Aquinas and Augustine basically said, well, since animals are entirely body and not spirit, they're unimportant and they won't be in heaven. And so that was a church tradition through the Roman Catholic Church for thousands of years. With, without a scriptural basis for no, that? No, no scriptural basis. They took uh, Ecclesiastes wrong, Ecclesiastes 3, where Solomon said, how do we know if a soul goes up or goes down? They took that as meaning it does. Human souls go up, animal souls go down. That's not what it says. Mm-hmm. So basically mixing Greek theology, uh, Greek ideas and poor interpretation of that one verse, and you end up with that ridiculous idea that, that God doesn't that per- care. persisted for, you know, 1,500 years. years. Because yeah. Aquinas and Augustine are such great saints of the faith. Hey, they're great theologians. They were just morons on certain points. <laughs> it's kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll regret it. And now they're regretting it because they're, they're, they're up there in heaven now with horses and eagles. Yeah. And they're saying, what was how, I thinking? How'd we miss that? <laughs> yeah. All right, John, every time you're on, people say, so wh- where do I find his book? Oh, it's, uh, I finished it last month, and I'm looking for a publisher. Um, I have put a number of blogs that are 
pieces of my book, basically, on my website, which is godsanimals.net. So you can see pieces of it, and you can hear these interviews. I've posted the previous six already. Very nice. John, it's always a pleasure. Sure is. We love your very unique perspective, mm-hmm. the, the depth of your Bible knowledge, and your love of animals. And it's, it's all good for like, us. We'd like a photo of Percy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we post information about John on our Facebook page. You reach out, and we look forward to uh, future conversations with John Kistler. Hey, we've got an excellent 5 o'clock hour uh, ahead. We're going to talk about, of all things in this day and age, humility. How does that work in our lives? Humility, And can we find it anywhere? Please tell me we can. You'll find it during our 5 o'clock hour, The Ride Home with John and Kathy.